0: Welcome back everyone to season three of the Kelly Mental Health Podcast where we discuss a variety of topics surrounding mental health. In this season we will be joined by incredible guests from all around the world and pillars of our community to discuss real topics and situations they have faced and how they dealt with it. So please sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome to the Kelly Mental Health Podcast. I am Linda Kelly, and I am here with a very special guest. Shalini, you are Thunder Bay famous. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. Thank Um, you. I know we've been trying to, uh, yeah, we've been trying to figure this out for a while, but our schedules
1: are just wild, eh? They are. They are crazy right now. All right. So Shalini, tell me about yourself for the people that are not familiar with you. So, uh, I'm Shalini Mazir. I'm actually originally from Toronto and moved up to Thunder Bay about six years ago. Uh, I'm the owner of Made for the Bride, so I'm a wedding planner in town, and I'm also co-owner of Swag Events with my partner, Laura.
0: Right, yeah. So, like I said, Thunder Bay famous because, of course, (laughs) you guys have been all over social media forever. You have a big following. Um, A lot of people often, you know, commenting on your stuff. And really, it sounds very like people are very supportive of you, it seems.
1: Absolutely. We're lucky to have such a great supportive community. Mm
0: -hmm. So um, now... The reason that I wanted to obviously speak with you and and to try to kind of get you to share your story, if you were open with uh, you know open to it, mm-hmm. is because this uh, recently was the one year anniversary of the loss of your husband.
1: It was, and
0: I was curious. Yeah, I was curious if you could share about what happened there.
1: So um, my husband Tim, he uh, he got sick in January of last year, and um, I mean to be honest. We all thought it was a flu just because, you know, it had all the symptoms of the flu. Um, about a week and a half later, it wasn't getting better. So uh, he ended up going to the hospital and it turned out that he had uh, group A strep. So um, that's, that's really not good. Um, he ended up developing um, necrotizing fasciitis, which is flesh eating. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, within... I think it's about 24 hours of him being in the hospital he had passed. So it was just the whole experience of thinking that he was home with the flu to um go into the hospital because I couldn't find him at home. I didn't know he had called 911 and had paramedics take him to the hospital. Um looking for him, getting to the hospital, finding him, no one knowing what was going on because he really was just presenting with flu symptoms. Um, to them finding out what it was, and then once they started surgery, realizing how bad it was, so um really didn't have much time to really absorb everything that was going on. It was just a matter of just kind of collecting a whole bunch of information and just trying to do the next thing that was being asked of me um so yeah, it was incredibly sudden, and Tim was a very healthy man before that, so um. I can't say in any way where we prepared for what was going to come. And you, you have two kids as well, right? I do. I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. So it's, uh, and we don't have any other family here. So it it has been um, that much harder.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And this of course was also, you know, coming right before the, the pandemic, the lockdown. And I imagine You guys would have ended up spending a lot of time alone.
1: Absolutely. So we actually had, um, it sounds awful to say it, but I'm glad it happened just right before the pandemic um, really hit Mm -hmm. because um, we had two funerals, one in Thunder Bay and one in Toronto, and we were able to travel to Toronto, which it's kind of crazy to think that that was our last real trip. Um, And uh, we went, you know, we, we were able to have the full... Um, he was a fire marshal and, uh, police officer. And, uh, so we were able to have the full funerals, um, with the whole ceremonial, uh, unit and all that. And, um, I can't imagine not being able to have that for him. Um, and then, you know, about, it was about, um, they had, my kids went back to school about a week or two before March break. And then March break hit, and then COVID um, basically shut everything down. So wow. they were only in school for about two weeks after their dad died. And then we were home and in this crazy isolation of being in our house, um, being in the four walls that we very clearly missed someone so important in our lives, and just kind of staring at each other. So, yeah. Mm-hmm made it very challenging.
0: I, I couldn't imagine what that must've been like is then the other thing too, is that that would have affected your, your job and, you know, everything that had kept you busy. Right.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that the, um, It was the off season for weddings. So we didn't really have a lot of wedding things going on. Um, and my partner, Laura basically stepped in and swooped in and handled everything to do with the businesses. Um, so I was able to breathe. I just, it, it was definitely a hard thing to handle weddings after just losing my husband. It was hard to be supportive and happy. And I love my clients so much and I'm so involved in their lives but I just couldn't be a part of someone else's romance at that point. Um, so that was hard to not have that distraction. And But I also had kids who I was supposed to homeschool, um, do online schooling, which was just, I mean, that was a crazy enough uh, idea of having two little kids who've never even used tablets before suddenly on online school. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was, it was, there was so much trying to figure out um, that, yeah, I think as much as I wanted a distraction, I probably wouldn't have been able to cope with any other distractions at that time. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but um, yeah, there's so much pressure on on parents and and just, you know, of course, when we're when we're grieving or we're going through an incredibly stressful time, we become more rigid just as a way of, you know, just surviving. So here you're being forced to adapt to uh, a completely different kind of
1: lifestyle. Absolutely. It was so strange because I think, um, you know, like I think me being a mom definitely helped me get through. Um, There was always that moment of, You know, when I just wanted to crawl into a corner and just go away, um, I still had to get up and make breakfast, lunch and dinner for the kids. Um, And I still had to cope with that. So that kept me going. But um, there were times that, like, especially at the beginning, um, I was actually in a play um, with the wonderful cast of Sister Act. And um, Mm -hmm. somehow I ended up and managed to get on stage. Um, And that was in February. And Tim passed in January. Uh, so it was this great distraction from real life for like an hour while we were on stage. Um, and I don't know how I did that. And looking back, I have no idea how <laughs> I even managed to stand up straight, much less perform um, that all the kudos goes to the, uh, the whole theater group there. They're so wonderful, but um that was i had like those 2 weeks of distraction because of sister act and i had my mom with me but when she left and then when the play was over and then covid and we're all just staring at each other it was that's when like mentally it just started to get really really heavy and it was getting heavy for everyone so it wasn't just me it was everyone in lockdown everyone struggling so hard um that it was like I kind of didn't want to lean on people because everyone was having a hard time with the moment.
0: Right. Exactly. That, that sense of not wanting to be a burden when other people are going through such, you know, such heavy things. And, but yet here you were trying to run a household you know, trying to take care of two kids and help them through their grief. Absolutely. How
1: in the world did you do that? Um, I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not really sure. I mean, I think I'm still haunted and I will be forever haunted by that moment when I had to come home after the hospital and tell them that their daddy was not coming home. And we've always had such an open relationship and very like, we talk about everything and, um, it was very like, easily the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And, um, from there on, like, I felt, I felt horrible because I couldn't be there for them as much as I wanted to, because I was not, I was a shell at that point. Um, moving forward like I mean there's so much chaos in like the two weeks after he passed because we had the funerals we had so much going on and people in the house all the time that I think we just kind of like coped we just went through all the motions of everything but in terms of handling their grief after it was uh, I, I still don't even know if I've handled my grief because I just handle theirs it's um it's the questions that they have it's the but where is daddy um my daughter olivia she's she was four at the time um she was asking if he was still at the hospital so she understood that he had died but didn't understand what happened and we're not a religious family i didn't know where to go with that (laughs) um it was answering the questions like the tough questions of um you know we didn't do a burial we did a cremation um they had never really known funerals before this so there was so much of well why are we doing this but where's daddy um but you know where is daddy sleeping um and and how did he die and was and then after a while it was was it covid so um i i honestly all i could do and what i still do it's a year later i just answer the questions as is as it comes Mm -hmm. Um, I try not to get too anxious about what they could possibly ask Um, (laughs) that's probably a good idea (laughs) yeah it's kind of like you know that where did babies come from it's kind of like that oh god I don't know how I'm going to answer that Um, it's kind of like that I just whatever questions they have I just I try my best and and to be honest I do it with a brave face but then I have to go in my room and have a quiet moment Mm -hmm. because it's hard it's hard to see their little hearts breaking and the way that they're thinking or my daughter every night says, I miss daddy. And I don't know how to respond to that. Or my son just being quiet and staring off into space. And I know he's grieving, but I don't know what he's thinking. So and I've never had to deal with this kind of grief. So I can't imagine, I have no idea how to handle it with the kids. Just, being honest and open and hoping that's good enough.
0: Yeah, honestly, it, it is. And that that's one of the biggest issues for a lot of people that are, that are parenting while they're grieving is, you know, what do I say? How do I explain it? And even like you mentioned, coming home from the hospital and having to tell them, I think a lot of people even question, uh, should I tell them? And, and so I'm curious, was that ever ever a thought? Like, you know, should I hold back or should I just tell them right away? Um,
1: No, I, again, like I've always been so straight up with my kids that there was never a question that I had to tell them, but there was definitely that moment of, oh my Mm -hmm. God, I have to tell them. Um, But I mean, Mm -hmm. as soon as we got home and I got myself settled in, I just remember like, okay, I pulled them onto the couch with me and just had that conversation because it wasn't fair to them they're going to ask where their dad is and when he's coming home so we just had to i just had to kind of rip the bandaid bandage off and just say it um i haven't really held back mm-hmm. much from them i've just let the conversation um as they're more as they think about it they're very thoughtful kids so as they think more about things and they have more follow-up questions then i give them the follow-up answers um, but I've kept it very mm-hmm. um, uh, surface at the beginning and slowly started mm-hmm. finding ways to talk about it. I have a very dear friend, Sue Gamond um, from Gamondale Farms, and uh, she helped me a lot on how to work with the wording, on how to explain things to them. And so when we had the with a box with his cremated remains I explained to them like I couldn't explain to them that it was he was with the fire marshal's office I couldn't explain that those are his ashes because I didn't want them right. to be afraid of fire Um so what I did is just said that that was daddy's magic box and that was all of his love and all of his happiness and everything in that box and they wanted to know how it got there and I said well the hospital when daddy died they made sure that they collected it and put it all in there for us and that's kind of where I left it (laughs) because what else do you Mm -hmm. say um up until the same like the one year anniversary I couldn't say it's the day daddy died it's the anniversary of daddy's death. That sucks to say. Um, so we called mm-hmm. it as angel day. So it's the day that daddy became an angel. And I try really hard to find ways to um, kind of create a, a, a way for them to understand without, again, I'm, I'm not religious, so not bringing in too much religion into it, but, to something um to give them an idea that daddy's still around um but yeah it's 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 a challenge and now the questions are definitely getting deeper and they're getting more almost clinical so Mm. yeah yeah for a five-year-old and eight-year-old so that's a whole (laughs) other challenge (laughs) it is it is um, uh-huh. it is because they want to know did he have surgery did he you know they i'm uh, i'm a horribly like fanatic fan of Grey's anatomy and sometimes they'll watch it <laughs> with me and now they want to know they're like yeah. you know is you know did daddy have surgery did you know was was there someone like dr karev who was working on him and you know like they have these funny questions and i'm like Okay. <laughs> yes, Daddy had surgery, mm-hmm. but I, then I don't go into too much beyond that. Um, I, I get, I reinforce that he went to sleep and that he was okay, and you know, yeah, they're they're upset with me. I think, and I I think will always hold this as uh, whether I made the right decision or not. But they're upset that they didn't get to see him. So what happened was they left for school the morning of and a few hours later he went to the hospital so they didn't see him after the morning and I wouldn't let them come to the hospital it just he was not in a good place and I didn't want them to see all those tubes and see all that that's too traumatic like I didn't want them to have that view of him that memory of him um Mm -hmm. but I fight with that a lot because they ask, they say that a lot, that they wish they could have seen their daddy. So, so that's mm-hmm. a hard one. That's... Sometimes that's... <sighs> yeah. yeah, it's a hard one. But I, I mean, I feel like I ultimately made the right choice. But it's something that I feel like I'll have to wait till they're adults before they get it. So...
0: It's possible, you know, and that's it's interesting that you bring that up too because it's sometimes... They they will, or we will cling to that, you know, I wish I could have this or that, because it's almost like this bid for control. Like, maybe if I had been there, then this wouldn't happen. And it's only just because we're so, it's, it's so much more terrifying to think that we actually had no control and have no control over what happens mm-hmm. to people. So, you know, we can kind of fantasize, Well, oh, if I had been there, then maybe...
1: And I think that's what's the one thing that's helped me is that I had um, like a debriefing with my family doctor after all of this. And he went through all of the emergency notes and everything. And they all said that they had no idea that this is what was going on because he wasn't showing any telltale signs. So Mm -hmm. it was until Mm -hmm. I mean, really, he, you know, he. He died on the table in the emergency room um, and they brought him back. And that's when they realized, like, what the hell is going on? Um, And when they opened them up and that's when they like, you know, they had then started having a clue and they opened them up and for sure it was that was the case. But it was um, it was good for me to hear, um, as selfish as it is, that there was nothing I could do and that they didn't even know when it was so far late in the game that what exactly was going on and how bad it really was. So, um, that kind of control, like I feel, I feel somewhat at peace knowing that I, it's not like I couldn't get him to the doctor fast enough because they said if I brought him in 24 hours earlier, they probably would have sent him home with pain meds. So, and, Mm -hmm. and I'm a control freak. I'm a wedding planner. I need to be able to handle all the details (laughs) and, but I also know that I have to roll with it and things happen and you do the best that you can. But knowing that there was nothing I could do helps. Definitely helps.
0: I could see that. Yeah, I could see that kind of clicking into place where, you know, it just it was so rapid and so unexpected. And it's true that, I mean, how in the world would the doctors have known? Yeah,
1: I mean, he didn't present with the regular symptoms and no one would have known. I honestly thought and joked with him um, that it was like the man flew from hell. Because, you know, it, I, I knew he was really sick when I, last year we had so much snow and he couldn't get up to shovel. Um, and we had the shift Nova, um, Nova's last year. And I was, uh, I guess, the trophy girl. And he was really excited to come <laughs> and, and to be a part of that. And he couldn't make it. So that's when I started to realize, like, he's really sick. Like that's not like him to miss out. He was supportive of literally everything that I did and he never let me do any kind of manual labor. It was really funny. <laughs> he would not let me do it. So the <laughs> fact that I was shoveling and that I went to the, like the awards by myself that those were things that started to clue me in, but still I just thought, you know, it's one hell of a man flu. Guys can't handle this. Can't, you know, not knowing. And and I do regret and I feel mm-hmm. horrible about thinking that way, but it was going off of what I knew. So I have to give myself a little bit of grace for that. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know. Absolutely. I mean, if it if it had actually been a flu, you'd never have given it another thought. Yeah. No idea. And you know, if it's a flu, you're like, well, what are you going to do? You can't get antibiotics for a flu. So, you know, stay at home Mm -hmm. and take, take the time to get better.
0: Mm hmm. I'm, I'm curious with, you know, with the kids and their grief, and that's something that we often talk about in, in therapy, you know, uh, people that will bring their kids in and say, you know, we've suffered a loss, what do I say? How do I talk to them? And the thing that we always goes back, go back to is that kids have a limited capacity in terms of how much they can take on at any certain point. But they will spend the rest of their lives trying to make sense of it. And so that's why a lot of times like you'll get these questions out of nowhere in the checkout line at the grocery store, just the most devastating questions. And it (laughs) and I'm imagining you're getting a lot of this, given that your kids are so interested. Yeah,
1: it's funny you say the grocery store, because like one of my very first trips out of my house um, with the kids, we went to the grocery store and my daughter was telling everyone my daddy's dead. My daddy's dead, and and like I'm in the I'm in the line (laughs) for you know checking out, and she's telling the cashier that, and she's looking the cashier's looking at me, and I'm like I don't know how to handle this. Like, here, put your popsicles in the cart. I I don't know what to say, you know. It's yeah, it's Mm -hmm. they have been incredibly matter of fact about it um, that they can say, "Daddy died. Daddy's dead," Um, but. Uh, the, I think they're just trying to wrap their head around the fact that, like, how did it happen? Because I really kept that, like, the specific details um, to a minimum. Um, and, and I wonder if, if, because they're so young, they're not, it's not like they're teenagers and they recognize maybe what they're missing out on. You know, like, but I have those moments where I'm like, well, who's going to teach Liam how to shave? Like, thank God for YouTube. Um, you know, you know, those kind mm-hmm. of moments or that, you know, Livy doesn't have her dad to walk her down the aisle. Um, they don't know those moments. They don't know to look to them. So what they're missing is that just jumping on dad and him tucking them in at night. But because of his job keeping him like he would be gone sometimes for days at a time, they were used to me being single parent the only parent at home and they were used to that routine so when he passed we kind of just flipped into that routine so there was still some comfort it wasn't completely Mm -hmm. different for them so I I think that's probably helped with their Mm -hmm. grief um Liam being very introspective has now started grief counseling Um, and The reason Mm -hmm. I do that now and not, I didn't do it earlier. Well, one earlier was crazy because there was no school. So I couldn't get referrals at school because it was shut down because of COVID. Um, And nothing was really quite open. No one really Mm -hmm. knew what to do. Um, And I was dealing with my own stuff. So now that I'm seeing a year later that he sits there and he ponders that I thought maybe it's time for him to talk to someone else who can maybe guide him better than I can. And maybe do it without (laughs) the emotion. Well, and
0: typically... Right. Well, and typically people aren't really ready to to go counsel about things right away because we're still shocked, we're still absorbing. And it even sounds like like uh, when they're talking out loud and saying things so matter of fact, they're sort of testing as well. You know, how does the cashier react when I say this? Am I not feeling the right things? You know, they're it's it's testing. It's trying to figure out what's absolutely what
1: here. like. It's it's just so strange, you know, that they're so matter of fact about it. Um, I mean, I think the time now was. I realize how protective the kids are of me. Um, I have gone through hell this past year, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, everything like it has been hell. And I know that they want to protect me. And I think sometimes they wonder, they, they look like they want to ask questions, but they don't want to upset me. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't want them to hold back on saying how they feel about things because they're worried that I'm going to be sad. So I, uh, that's why I thought it was time to kind of bring in someone else from the outside that they don't have to worry about their feelings, you know, but a therapist's feeling so much is that they can share what they want to share and not worry about, you know, mom being sad about it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And you're right. And that is kind of a danger we run into, because on one hand, yes, we should, like I say all the time, we should cry in front of the kids to show them that the crying will stop eventually, you know, that you, you relieve that tension, but also the you know the other side of the pendulum or the the other side of the swing there is that if we rely on them we parentify them and that can affect who they become yeah like adults. I didn't want
1: them at any point to become anything but the kids in the relationship um I didn't want them to think that they had mm-hmm. to parent me uh, or be worried about mm-hmm. me and I know you know like my son especially is very much like <sighs> he's the man of the house I don't know where he gets that from But that's what he's saying. (laughs) And, you know, I don't want him to think that now that's his job is to take care of me. Um, But they've also, they've seen a lot in this past year. Like I said, I've I've been through hell. I've been through, I've been in the hospital. I've had really, really hard times. um, And not just days, but weeks and months. And um, I've been in a treatment program. And they've had they've seen me go through so much that I just, I just want to make sure that they realize that no matter what, I'm still mom and no matter what we're going to get through this and they can still be kids and they don't have that added responsibility because dad's not here.
0: Mm That's, that's wonderful that, you know, you're so, so aware and so insightful about that. Cause of course we, we know that this does leave a, a mark, but you know, the other thing that comes up with kids and loss is, uh, and I'm not sure if this has happened with you is they often will become very aware of mortality of their own, of moms of, you know, and and that can cause them to be kind of clingy and and possibly even, yeah, I did notice
1: the clinginess for my daughter, um, She, I mean, she was four, Mm -hmm. right? She had her first birthday without dad. Now she's going to be turning six soon. Um, It's, uh, she got very, very clingy, very attached because she was daddy's little girl. Um, I don't know how much I've seen in regression with them, but I do know that they recognize um, other people's feelings more and they're more... (sighs) Even on, like, TV, they'll be like, oh, like, you know, there's so many movies and so many shows about kids who have one parent, um, that movie Soul on Disney, um, about death. (laughs) You know, they Mm. have so many um, insightful comments about it. They're like, well, you know, like, oh, like, that little girl's sad because not just because she's never dead, but now she doesn't have someone to do this with. So they're so so interesting that way and i think they're going to be very very um empathetic kids and grown-ups because of that um Mm -hmm. but yeah i i kind of i just don't know and i'm it's it's a really scary thing to wonder that am i doing the right thing or because this could completely change the person that they're going to grow up to be so how do i how do i do it (laughs) how do i do it the right way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're a
0: parent I don't think you're ever gonna stop exactly, asking
1: that question. Right? but you know usually I mean my husband and I were a team and we bounced everything off each other and we were we played good cop bad cop and we switched roles when we had to and we did everything together and we called each other on our shit I don't really have anyone to call me on my shit now I don't know if I I don't have anyone to say hey you know what that's probably not the best direction you should go you know what I mean I don't have that So I question myself that much more. And I think any single parent would have that, you know, to deal with, of not having someone else, not having a partner to, you know, to call them on their crap. Um, So I just hope that, you know, I'm the only adult for them. And because we don't have school, the kids are doing online school. They don't have personal interactions with their teachers. They don't have sports and activities or a- other adults in their world right now. That I just it feels really heavy of making sure that I'm doing the right thing and that I'm tending to their needs in in the way that I won't screw them up when they're older. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: you know from everything you're you're talking about your approach by being, you know, honest with them age appropriate, uh, you know, answering the questions as they come up, you know, it sounds like you're doing absolutely everything that you can, that is the right way to do it and, and not to force them, not to push them, but, you know, just to, to be there and to be constant for them. That is, that is so huge. And they're so lucky to have you. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm wondering, you know, (laughs) of course, and, you know, I'm wondering Mm -hmm. even about yourself Uh, obviously, you know, when we, when we marry someone, when we commit to someone, we imagine you know getting old with them, and I'm just wondering you know how
1: how this has affected your thoughts about the wow. future um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we moved to Thunder Bay to kind of start a a new chapter in our lives um and we had we had to hustle for quite a few years and actually. Um, in January, when he passed, we were just looking forward to June coming because I was going to graduate from college. He was, um, he had graduated um, from university and had just become um, a professor and we had all these things that like all the, all the work that we've been putting in, in the past few years was finally coming to a point where we can start enjoying the efforts we put in. And, you know, we started talking about what happens in retirement and do we want to move and, you know, you know, like move houses or move cities or anything. And we had all these grand, not so much plans, but ideas. And I think what's changed now is that um, I've personally learned that you have to live in the moment Um, that and not Hmm. so much that like, you know, to hell with the present, with the past or the future, but consider what's important to you whereas I would always be working I like lived for my job and I lived for everything else and and I knew the kids were fine because we were co-parenting right my he was home with him with them or I was home with them but now it's like I I find I want to pull back on committing myself to anyone else but my kids um um, Mm -hmm. definitely changing the structure of my of how I work Um, I've been really lucky to have Laura with me, um, who's been patient as I'm slowly trying to figure out how I want to uh, get back to work. Um, And I think it's funny because it's, it's affected my job Mm -hmm. in that uh, because of COVID, we have all these delayed weddings and I'm finding myself having these very frank conversations with my couples and saying, you know, I understand you want to, you know, you want the big wedding, but is this going to delay you living your life? Because if you need to be married before you can, you know, have kids and do all that, is it worth, you know, waiting a year just to have the big party before you can have all that? Or do you want to just go ahead and start your life? Um, you know, because the wedding planner in me and obviously the business person in me wants the big wedding. I, I, I want to do that, but, Um, I find that I'm looking at the couples now and saying, but what do you want in life? Like, is it worth maybe just having a small wedding and then going on with your life? Um, Looking at it very, very differently now. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs) Just this this incredible perspective that you have now, you, I mean, you're speaking with so much truth and authenticity. And and you know what? I
1: think that's something that I've always tried to bring to the table with my clients. If you ask me a question, I'm going to give you the the truth, whether you like it or not. Um, But more so now it's that it's not about my job. It's about their lives. And I would have hated to know that I missed out on something because I was, I wanted a big party or I wanted something that really doesn't matter in the end. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be weddings. There's always going to be parties and things to celebrate. But I think what matters more than anything now is to live your life and enjoy it. And, you know, advice I never thought I'd give a client a year ago, but here I am doing that now.
0: I, I think that's beautiful because you're right there will always be weddings and, and a lot of us I think we we kind of put it off because we go well if it's not perfect I'm only doing this once but maybe you know if we do this and we, we sort of you know make it smaller or whatever we make it work and we start our lives well then we've got more reasons to celebrate down the road we've got so many more opportunities hopefully to throw yeah big I mean parties. again it
1: sounds crazy I have two businesses that are in the wedding industry but the wedding is one day it's one day and I'm <laughs> all for celebrating it and yeah. I will do the very best that I can for them, but it's also one day your marriage is your life. So, you know, it's a definitely a different perspective and, and I've been able to grow with my clients and really get to talk to them and get to know them so much more that, um, you know, I don't regret this new perspective. <laughs> so yeah, changes. hmm yeah Yeah. you've you've, uh, adapted and
0: certainly you know again are bringing so much truth to the table and then you know i'm just curious as well how has the counseling and the treatment Um, so i did
1: a uh, treatment program that was meant to be in-house but again covid so we did it online um it was a program that i kind of feel that everyone should take in life (laughs) um and that it was not necessarily <laughs> about my specific issues um or concerns and mental health um diagnoses but more about how to cope um how to handle life and a couple of things that have really stuck with me um they have this concept of 108010 10, so you only live 10% of your day in the past 10% in the future and 80% um in the present and um, that helps me that, you know, if I start thinking back and I'm just going to start wallowing in, you know, memories, I kind of have to pull myself out. And I'm like, I, I get 10% of my day for that. That's it. So I, I have to pull it back um, and get back into the present. And the same with the future, instead of getting too anxious about what am I going to do? because literally my entire life, every dream, every single aspect of my life, um, and future plans has changed and it can get very overwhelming. Um, but I don't let myself go beyond 10% of my day thinking that far ahead, thinking ahead. Um, and when I do, I still limit it to how far ahead. So maybe a month ahead. I mean, I am a wedding planner after all, but, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but not letting myself, you know, (laughs) think what am I going to do in five years? So that kind of therapy and being in a group where you have people who are coming from all kinds of different, um, experiences and, uh, talking about, you know, how to stay in the present, um, how not to get overwhelmed, um, approaching things with, uh, there's a concept of beginner's mind and, um, Uh, it's just like approaching things without the weight of, or of the biases of your experience, but just approaching it fresh, um, has been really, really helpful for me. And uh, I can't say that I'm not going to like, kind of, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm perfect now. I'm great. Um, I'm not, but I definitely have the tools that I'm applying to it. And it was great. They were great tools that I can apply every day. And I find myself reminding myself of those tools on the hard days. So, um, definitely a great program. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm looking out for other programs that I can be a part of, um, which, and my needs are going to change as I go, uh, as I go through this Mm -hmm. eventually I might even do grief counseling myself, but, uh, right now I'm dealing with (laughs) I'm just dealing with other um, aspects of my mental health and then we'll we'll handle the grief when I'm ready for it
0: well exactly that's and that's all you can do right you handle what comes at you you're already wearing plenty of different hats you are practicing self-care by deciding what it is that you are able and willing to take on that you can feel good about and and that's really that's what you're supposed to do that's that's imp- important to be able to do that and not overstretch yourself because then you know when we and, do and that, then we're no good. And I think that's
1: something anyway. that, um, as such a like, I'm I strive for everything. I'm a go getter. I hustle like nobody's business. And learning how not to do that, um, how to not strive, and how to say it's okay that um, <laughs> you know I'm having a shit day. I'm gonna sit here and drink my coffee, and that's what I'm gonna do today. Um, and letting myself just have bad days and letting, and knowing that I could do all the things that I think are right. And I still may not feel great about it. I'm still going to have a hard time. Um, I guess being nicer to myself, whereas I would usually be a lot more um, caring to other people, but being kind to myself. And um, that's, I think that's what a lot of what therapy and everything is that I've learned to do is give myself a little bit of grace And say, hey, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay if I'm going to binge watch Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's it's what I'm going to accomplish today. And yet I have a whole bunch of things that I have to do for work. But it's not going to happen today. (laughs) It's just not.
0: <laughs> see now you're speaking to my soul now for for
1: someone that went through that entire series about four times well you know what? the year. series alone has been actually um very hard hitting for me I've never seen it before um so watching it now and um I don't want to spoiler alert anyone but watching certain characters die um has helped me because I've had to face things that I hadn't faced since um being in the hospital with Tim so it's uh mm-hmm. I, you know what like mm-hmm. I'm slowly starting to it, it's been my like my little therapy in a way that I'm I'm facing things that I didn't think I mm-hmm. I could face again so yeah I mean it's weird to say I, I can mm-hmm. honestly say that like a year ago if I hurt myself now I'd be like um get off your butt and get your work done uh like I had so much going on <laughs> I was in college I had my businesses I had the kids and Tim's job was crazy and we had so much going on in our lives. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm at home watching my kids do homeschooling. I'm trying to get my work done as I can. And that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) My mental health is more.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes we have to change, well, we have to change what we measure as productivity, you know, as, as we sort of grow as human beings, we start to realize, you know, there's a reason why we're so tired because a lot of work is being done it's just not yeah. so and tangible.
1: I think, I think being I think as a mom and definitely as a female businesswoman being able to say that it's so easy to say I have so many clients or I'm doing this much for work and you know I have ads going out and all that it helps you say this is how much I'm working and other people can see it. But being able to cook three meals a day for my kids and keep a somewhat decent looking house um, and keeping up on their assignments in school and all their crafts, like now I feel like Superwoman, because that's a hell of a lot more important. And yet, people <laughs> don't see it. Because again, we don't even leave our house. So but, but I finally feel <laughs> good about it. Like I am a, I'm doing everything I can to be a good mom to them. And usually we don't give that much of a second thought. It's just like, yeah you're a mom but what else do you do and it's just like no i'm i'm momming <laughs> that's what i do now
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you are creating future adults and, and that is, is very very it's important the first work time in
1: my life so
0: yeah <laughs> oh that's wonderful Yeah, they absolutely, like I said, they're, they're lucky to have you there. And especially during, during a year of such unrest and, you know, uh, everyone being sort of unsure about what's, what's coming next. I mean, just the fact that you've been able to create that stability for them, I'm sure is something they'll always be reflecting on. I,
1: again, the pandemic has actually Mm -hmm. worked really well in my favor because it gave me a chance to breathe with work. Um, it gave me a chance to handle being home with the kids and not have to um, deal with a lot of firsts that I'm still terrified of that have been delayed, but hopefully we can have, approach it more like from a stronger place. You know, the first time I'm putting them on the bus and it's not dad putting them on the bus for school, mm-hmm. um, you know, and going to their activities and going to their baseball games. And dad's not the one doing it with them. It's me terrified about what those are going to be like but because of the pandemic i haven't had to deal with it for a year so i have you know hopefully next mm-hmm. year when we can do those things again um we're just going to be a lot stronger and it's going to be less um emotionally devastating for them to have those moments hmm
0: Thank you so so much for sharing about your story. I mean, this is this is really. I'm sure it's so difficult to talk about, but you've you've been just so supportive, even about mental health, uh, you know, issues online, and really just being open about your vulnerability here. And I think it does help a lot of people. So uh, I encourage you again to just keep doing what you're doing. And thank you so again, much. For I, I saying appreciate. That. I just
1: want people to know it's normal, and we we all go through stuff, and you know it's nothing to hide about I mean why why hide you get nowhere with that if you're open and honest people will come out and support you and the city has been incredible and they've been so supportive and my friends and colleagues and I wouldn't have had that if I didn't just put myself out there so um, yeah I'm grateful That's for true. you know That's the true. the mental health support and for having things like this <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, this is this is wonderful. And uh, where can people find you if they wanted to follow a little bit more about Uh, what you do? Well,
1: you can always go to my Facebook or websites um, made for the bride um, and swag events. And uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, It's uh, I think it's called it's just Michelle, but it's it's public and I, I'm out there. I put myself out Mm -hmm. there.
0: Perfect. Okay. Thank thank you you again. And we'll talk soon.